Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello. Hello and welcome to the Shift with Sam Baker podcast, coming to you live from the Birmingham Rep as part of Birmingham Literature Festival. For those who don't know me, I'm journalist and author Sam Baker, and I'm delighted to be here with one of the funniest, warmest women you're ever likely to encounter, Ruth Jones. And she's pretending it's not true, but it is true. (laughs) To be honest, we all know Ruth doesn't need any introduction, but we'll give her a little one. (laughs) <laughs> She's the co-writer and star of Stella and the BAFTA award-winning Gavin and Stacey. She is also the best-selling author of three Sunday Times bestsellers, Never Greener, Us Three, and now, hot off the press, Love Untold. Warm, open-hearted and generous, Love Untold sees Ruth turn her attention to motherhood and daughterhood as we meet four generations of women of the Meredith family, Grace, Alice, Ellen and Becca and encounter the minefield of complications that form the mother-daughter bond. Love, hate, and everything in between. You will laugh, you will cry, you will wince, but above all, you'll recognise the feelings that Ruth evokes in the four women. Ruth, thank you for coming on The Shift Live. Oh, thank you, Sam. It's lovely to be here. Are you dying now? Oh, I've just broken the chair. That's a good start. Do you want to give us, draw a picture for us of the... Women of Love Untold. Well, as you say, it's a, a multi-generational book. It's a book, story. Um, it's about four women from the same family, all Welsh, and uh, Grace is at the top of the chain. She's nearly 90. Her daughter, Alice, is 70-odd. Her daughter, Ellen, is 50-odd. I don't know why we're the odd bit. Yeah. And her daughter, Becca, is 16. And... 30 years ago, there was a big fallout in the family. And Alice, the 70-something-year-old, she abandoned them. She abandoned her mother and her daughter. She had not behaved very well at all in the build-up to this. And uh, really, was, really did behave quite badly. And disappeared and has never been seen since. And Grace 
you know, she, it's her daughter. She, she misses her very much, and she writes letters to her that she never sends. And um, Ellen, on the other hand, as far as she's concerned, her mother is no longer... She just no longer exists. She's deleted her from her mind. Uh, she doesn't want anything to do with her. She doesn't even mention her anymore. Um, and, you know, for Grace, she's of an age now where she's feeling she really does wish that she could find Alice again. And she's given a clue that leads or could lead to her whereabouts. But she knows, Grace knows, that if she tries to find Alice and succeeds, it's going to cause huge repercussions with her granddaughter, Ellen, who wants nothing to do with her mother. So it's going to cause huge ripples in the family. Meanwhile, poor old Becca, at the end of the chain, uh, doesn't even know her grandmother, Alice, exists. She, uh, as far as she's concerned, she died years ago and, and never gets mentioned in the family, but she's got her own issues to deal with. So uh, it's set in Wales, it's set in Cardiff, and a fictitious seaside town on the west coast called Dillon's Quay. And... Uh, as you say, it, 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 it looks at the relationships between mothers and daughters. And I think it's, um, it'd be fair to say that it's, uh, it, it's moving at times, um, uh, but it's also funny. So uh, it's not all doom and gloom by any means. So uh, there are a few laughs in there. <laughs> Do you want to give us some laughs now? Oh, yeah, go for it. That's give setting us a little the bar. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll, um, I don't want to give away any... Spoilers, but I think I can read something which will um, give you an idea about Ellen's character. So Ellen is the 50-something-year-old. The Look at me now. I'm going to be really common and clean my glasses <laughs> on my clothes. Um, and Ellen is uh, early 50s. She's a, a head teacher. She's very conscientious about her job. Um, sometimes she puts work before anything else. And she's been married for 20-odd years to Greg, quite happily sort of tootling along. Um, they've got Becca, obviously, their daughter. But she... Oh, in recent times, things have gone a bit stale between them. It's not been great. And um, she... Greg has been getting into fitness quite a lot recently. He sort of disappears down to the gym and he's playing tennis a lot. And uh, they don't really seem to have seen much of each other. And then uh, one day, uh, Ellen, being the control freak that she is, I mean, she's the sort of person, she has a colour, she has a colour-coded wardrobe. You know, all her clothes are in a certain order. Um, she's sorting out Greg's socks and she finds uh, a Valentine card in cellophane. And she thinks that's really odd because they don't send Valentine cards to each other. Um, however, she thinks, well, maybe he's trying to make a bit of an effort here because things haven't been great between them. So she thinks, well, I'm, I'm going to make an effort too. So she goes to Marks and Spencer and uh, she gets a meal deal and she buys a, a nice, sexy, lacy basque as well. And she knows it's really cheesy, but she takes a photo of herself and she WhatsApps it to him saying, um, hey, Valentine, steak for dinner and this is what's for dessert. And she's cringing. And he replies and he's like, okay, um, yeah, see you later. I'll be back <laughs> later. So she waits for him. He, he doesn't make it back for dinner, uh, but eventually he comes in. He's not hungry anymore, but he sort of, 
says to her, well, I'll, I'll see you upstairs because they've got this arrangement. And it's very unromantic and uh, very cringy for them. So this is what happens later. In the bedroom an hour later, they both stood facing each other, an overwhelming sense of obligation to this event burning between them. Haven't done this in a while, Greg had joked. And she'd grinned back before attempting to undress seductively and reveal the new underwear beneath. Nice, he'd said, looking genuinely impressed and reached forward to start kissing her. His arms around her back, they fell into their 20-year-old predictable routine. Begin with a kiss, then a hand on the boob, before reaching down to squeeze her buttocks. Can I say buttocks here? I read this in a church the other night. And I had to self-censor as I went along. It was how things between them had always begun. But Ellen felt herself rise up and outside of what was happening. God, I feel like a big sofa cushion, she thought, as Greg continued kissing her. She tried to put the thought out of her mind and reach into the depths for some grain of desire. But there was none to be found. She'd felt entirely empty, devoid of all sensuousness. If anything, she'd simply felt foolish. She could have faked enjoyment, made all the right noises of encouragement till they reached the other side, were it not for the fact that Greg's fitness watch got caught on the lacing of the basque. <laughs> and then the whole process descended into farce. It wasn't even a comical, sexy moment that led from laughter into lust. It was just awkward beyond belief. And what was worse, it was irritating. Oh, for God's sake, Greg, I don't see why you have to wear that bloody thing all the time. Because it's monitoring my heart rate variability. Yeah, well, and does it monitor how annoying you are as well? Oh, shut up, Ellen, bloody hell. Look, have you got some scissors? In my bedside drawer. They had to move together as if in a three-legged race, <laughs> edging their way carefully towards the bedside with Greg's hand still attached to the delicate lace. Reaching into the drawer, Ellen saw with horror the tube of KY, another magazine suggestion that she'd bought into to help things along. The article, no doubt written by someone half her age, had buoyantly announced that it was perfectly normal, normal at Ellen's age to require a little assistance. Let me get them, Ellen had snapped, attempting to hide the KY as she reached for a small pair of nail scissors and passed them to Greg. Try to minimise the damage, she said, aware that now she was sounding like a head teacher. Wait, when you cut it, I mean, this thing wasn't cheap, you know. She'd stood patiently as Greg snipped at the lace, freeing the links of the watch. She tried not to stare at his bald patch, which seemed to have grown infinitely bigger. Once they'd finally become disentangled, they both sat down on the bed in silence. Ellen noticed that one of her suspenders had wriggled free, leaving the stocking on her right leg to sag forlornly. She thought about reattaching it, but wondered what the point would be. I guess we shouldn't force these things, Greg had said before sloping off to the bathroom. His pee seemed to go on interminably, and Ellen sighed to herself at the thought that this had become the soundtrack to their intimacy. Their intimacy. What intimacy? Greg had referred to it as these things. She struggled to get out of the basque before he returned to the bedroom. She didn't think she could take any more humiliation and yet was drawn to it like a masochistic moth to a candle. I take it you decided against the card, she muttered. 
What card? The card in your sports drawer? I saw it. Oh, Jesus, Ellen, you, you're snooping on me now. No, I was pairing your socks. There was a painful silence, and then he said, I took it to work. I was going to post it, but I forgot. Yeah, well, that just about says it all, doesn't it? She sighed, desperate to hide the sob that had caught in her throat. That night, they slept with their backs towards each other, like they always did these days. And the following morning, they got up and went about their day as if the events of the night before had never happened. Happy, sodding Valentine's Day. It's so rare for people to write so honestly about the joys of keeping a long-term relationship alive. (laughs) (laughs) Do you get that thing where whenever you write a scene like that, everybody says, is that you, Ruth? Well, of course, they're bound to say that. But I have a fantastic sex life. Oh, I'm really glad to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I think it's important to not portray... I I love real life and real-life problems and issues in a book are quite refreshing. Uh, Things aren't all sugar-coated and... I think there's a it, there's a, uh, a huge problem in putting pressure on people to think they should be living their life in a certain mm. way. The classic is is the the old Dickensian Christmas, isn't it? And yeah. and having the lovely uh, decorations and this nuclear family and um, and and everybody all happy, happy together with all these amazing presents and having the food. I mean, I'm sorry, but what Christmas dinner have you ever seen like they show in the adverts? It just doesn't happen. I, my family, I'm one of four kids, so when we all have Christmas, say, at my mum's, it's quite chaotic. It's not... I mean, everybody ends up eating at different times. There's no sort of beautiful table decoration in the centre, the centrepiece, or um, and, and this amazing, these amazing table settings. It isn't like that. So some people would be sitting there eating out off their lap, and, you know, and I think it's important to... To say that, um, that 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 life isn't life isn't perfect, and don't feel pressured that you have to aspire to something that actually doesn't exist. You know, I think that's one of the things you do so brilliantly, though, in all your books and in your TV writing, is you write characters who are completely identifiable. You know, often lovable, not always likable, but totally totally recognisable and you have them say the women in this book say the most vile things to each other sometimes but you manage to do that in a way that is never cruel and that's quite that's quite tough how do you pull that off um well I think I know it's a, a, an old saying but I think it's true that you you hurt the ones you love most so I think Especially mums and daughters, I think you almost feel, certainly from the, the mother to the daughter, I feel like you, it's like you can get away with it. You can get away with saying things. But that maternal love is so unconditional that it's kind of waterproof. Um, and so I think that that's a, um, an important part of it, definitely. Um, 
I'm just trying to think what else. Um, oh, I had a really good thought then. I hate it when that happens, when it's in my head and then it disappears. <laughs> Tell me again what you were saying about what... Oh, God, I <laughs> It's just like this double brain fog going on up here. It's just like... <laughs> well, let's talk about mothers and daughters. The reality of relationships, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, God, yeah. 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 That was like right back at the beginning. Yeah, totally. But let's talk about mothers and daughters. What made you decide, because you wrote, you know, the first book was Never Greener was about, you know, relationships and um, us three was brilliantly depicted friendships and growing away from each other. What made you decide, okay, I'm going to turn my, my gimlet gaze onto motherhood and daughterhood? Because daughterhood, I think, is written about much less than motherhood, actually. Yeah, and do you know what I thought of the other day? Why is the word... Why do we say daughter and yet we say laughter? Why don't we say dafter or laughter or lauter? Anyway. I think I that's... like the idea of being a dafter. <laughs> dafter, <laughs> yes. This is my dafter in whom I am most proud. <laughs> um, I, Never Greener was, yes, it was about an affair, quite an intense relationship. Um, um, I don't want to call it a romantic relationship because it wasn't really. It was quite hedonistic and very mm. sex-driven. Um, and us three, yes, was about long-term female friendship. So I wanted to move away from those two areas. So family seemed like the next best, the next uh, natural step to take. Um, and I was very interested in. I mean, two things happened. One was that I I went to West Wales. I did an episode of Who Do You Think You Are for the BBC, and uh, it was quite funny actually because the night before. I was due to start filming. I was, they'd asked me to meet at my mum's house in Porthcawl. Um, and so I spoke to the producer the night before to arrange timings and things. And I said, will I need my passport? <laughs> Optimist. And she said, no. <laughs> well, will we be going over the Severn Bridge? No. <laughs> okay. But we went to Newquay in West Wales, which I'd never been to before. And I found out that this lovely all this history about my family and I was presented with this photograph taken in I think 1860 of these nine siblings all of whom were my ancestors and I went to the home where uh, they were brought up and it was just a real privilege to be able to go on on that journey but seeing those young people those young faces I just thought gosh you know they were alive and vibrant and living their young lives at that time and now they're gone and I just was quite, I'm quite fascinated by how life, you know, we're, we're all going to peg it at some point, aren't we? <laughs> um, but just that idea of the milestones that we go through and, the, and the, the journeys that we go on and the people that we were when we were younger, the people we are when we are the, the age we are now. And I think it was that whole thing about generations and I wanted to write something multi-generational to look at the, uh, the, what was the old, that old the member the older uh, generation member of the family? What were they like when they were younger? And um, I spoke. I spoke to. I remember speaking to one of my friend's kids who was sixteen at the time, and they were having trouble at school. And I thought I'll give some sage advice from an old lady that I am very wise and. Um, I could see her glaze over, you know, yeah. because she was looking at me going, what do you know about being 16? You're old. And it frustrated me because I wanted to say, well, I think I did say to her, 
I was 16 once. I do know what it feels like. It may have been a different social landscape. We probably, we didn't have mobile phones and, you know, our music, we used to put a cassette in a Walkman and things like that. We, we, we didn't have uh, social media and all these pressures that, that you have, but we still had those emotions, those big emotions that you have when you're a teenager. And, and, and it was that feeling of wanting to, almost wanting to say, I wish I could transport you back to when I was 16. I wish you could meet me when I was 16. Somebody came to a book event last night that had taken some a drama workshop that I'd attended when I was 17. And in this, and it was a group photo. In that picture, there were, there were three girls who I'm still friends with now, you know? And, oh. and I, looked, I said, oh my God, is that me? And I looked so damn cool. <laughs> I was so impressed. And I just thought, gosh, that was me then. And that, you know, it, and the whole idea of time passing and, and us getting older and, and wanting to kind of desperately say to younger people, no, I know what it's like, I know what it's like. But of course, when you're that age, and I was guilty of it too, I would look at my grandmothers when I was a teenager and just think, oh, well, they're just old women. They, what, yeah. they don't know, they're old. And I wish now that I had asked my grandmothers more about their lives when they were younger because it would have, would have been fascinating. But of course, you, you've got you, when you are that age, you're sort of focusing on just this little bit here. You're not really thinking about what your old granny was like when she was younger. But it's one of the things I explore in the book is we, we flash back quite a lot. We, so we, certainly with the three older women, we, we revisit their lives when they were younger. And I think that's important to tell the story of how they got to where they've got to and and who they've become and what these tensions and misunderstandings caused in their current relationship. How old do you think you were before you started to see your parents and possibly grandparents as actual people rather than just old people who stopped you doing things? (laughs) It's funny, isn't it? Because um, at my mum's house, she's got like this... Uh, this cabinet in the hall and a glass, a piece of glass on the top and she puts lots of photos underneath the glass and there was a photo taken of my mum and dad when we went camping in 1976 and I remember it really well, we were in, I think we were in Spain and there'd been a huge deluge of rain and they were laughing because they'd had to, we had a tent and it was just one of those chaotic situations where everything had to be dried out and there's this brilliant picture of my mum and dad and my mum's in shorts and she's got her hair and a headscarf and she looks so gorgeous I mean she still looks gorgeous my mum but you know and I remember looking at thinking her and my dad I'm thinking god they were always old people older people you know so it's almost like sometimes only a photograph will will show you what they actually were like back then but I think probably when I got into my 30s and certainly my 40s is when, and when there was a switch. You know, I always think there's a switch, isn't there, from when you're little and your parents hold your hand or your grandparents or older adults in your life hold your hand across the road and then cut to decades later. I know I do it to my mum now where I kind of look after her crossing the road and how that, how that changes. And it's, and it's sad, but... It's, um, I think there's a thing where I can remember being sort of, I guess, tw- in my 20s, th- thought I knew everything, and, and I remember clearly saying to my mum, 
why do you drink blue nun? <laughs> I mean, that's just really naff, ma'am. You should be drinking something... Um, I was probably drinking Ernst and Gallo or something. Yeah. <laughs> Mum, why did you do it? And she went, because I like it. And I remember thinking that wasn't reason enough. But now I think, yeah, well, fine. Drink what you want to drink, you know. So it's taken a while to get to that stage in my life where I can... I mean, I've always respected my parents, but I think there was always that thing of thinking I knew better than them. Mm. And of course you don't. You just... You just see things differently, that's all. And we really need to respect both sides, I think. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, I mean, I think it takes quite a long time, doesn't it, for you to think, to look at, say, your grandparents and to think about what their life was actually like that might have turned them, you know, if you think they were annoying or they were strict or they were unloving or whatever, what might have happened Absolutely. to make that happen. Yeah. How's your, what's your relationship like with your mother? You're close, aren't you? Yes. I, we're, you know, I'm two, this, the, as I said, we're one of, uh, I'm one of four, two boys and two girls, and we all have a very different relationship with my mum, which is, and it's lovely. And she's a, she's a really centred, grounded woman. She's 85 now. Um, she's, she was a doctor in her working life and, uh, she is very, um, she's inspired the character of Grace quite a lot in the sense that she has an attitude to life. She hates waste. I mean, you look in her cupboard, she washes ice cream 
um, containers, yogurt containers, and she uses them for freezing things. She's she's the recycling queen. Basically. Can I just ask you? Don't do that. Well, I don't buy ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Because they've changed them now. They've those containers. Oh, yes, that's true. Yeah. That's true. It's useless. Yeah, well, that's how long she's had them for, you yeah. see. <laughs> but she's, and she's very, um, I mean, what Grace is described as saying that her middle name is Make Do and Mend. And my mum's very much like that. You know, she, she, she doesn't see the point in replacing things if they're working perfectly, for their, if they're but functioning perfectly well. you used to have to well. iron Christmas so, wrapping paper to get the sellotape off. <laughs> no? Oh, I no, because... Well, now, no. I need to know. Does other people have to do that? Oh, there's one. Okay, I feel like not completely sad. <laughs> I get those bags, and then you can reuse those, as long as you don't write on the little Yeah, label. I mean in 1976. <laughs> oh, not I now. see. Oh, right. <laughs> but mum, so mum inspired Grace in lots of ways, but I can remember uh, saying to my mum, when I was writing the book... I said, Mum, um, I said, oh, one of the main characters in my book is nearly 90, and she's very feisty. Um, she cooks things from scratch. She, she walks a lot. She does yoga and Pilates, and she goes swimming in the sea. And my mum said, oh, well, that's ridiculous. Nobody will ever believe that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and your mum does do that? No, she no. bless her. No, she doesn't. She does walk. She walks down to town and she does cook pretty much from scratch. And she goes and she gets her vegetables in her rucksack and walks back again. I know. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she's yeah but she's, she's stopped driving now because uh, not because she doesn't didn't feel she could still do it, but because she was really fed up with the insurance company. <laughs> <laughs> And what about Becca? Because Becca is 16 and she's just at that point that we were talking about where you think you know it all and you think your mum is just there to ruin your life and she's discovering a lot about herself. Do you have young women in your life who you canvassed? Yeah, well, well actually, my, um, I just in the back of the, uh, of the acknowledgements, I had to acknowledge um, some people because... Certainly, I thought, well, I can sort of write about the three older women, but I'd like to just, certainly with dialogue, I wanted to be a bit more um, correct with 16-year-old dialogue. Um, and uh, where was it? I, I think, I, I, yes, to my, um, to my family. I'm just trying to find, sorry, talk amongst yourselves. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, yes, um, to my niece, Nusha, for patiently answering random questions from an old person to a young one. Uh, because she, she would... I would say, well, how would you say that something was, was, was brilliant? She said, well, we, I'd probably say it's sick. And I thought, oh, gosh. And I told my... My, my sister read, read the proof copy of Love and Told. She said, you know, mum won't get that. She won't understand why you're saying something's sick. And, you know... The, so I didn't, I didn't go all out because I didn't want to look like I was so over-researched that I exactly knew how young people spoke. I wanted it to be a kind of a nod to, to young people. I think there's a friendship in there. Uh, Becca um, forms a friendship uh, with a brilliant... One of my favourite characters in the book called Susie, and she's not a main character, but she is... Um, she's really lively. She's very ambitious. She's, she wants to make it in the music world. And um, I, I just love her. And she just swears all the time. 
and um, Ellen asks her at one point, why do you swear? And she goes, I don't know. She's like proper card. She goes, I don't know. I think sister said I haven't got patience to do it all properly and wait for everybody. So I just can't be bothered. And she's like, she's really energetic and lively. And, you know, so I had to go with the energy of the characters. Like Becca is really self-conscious. She's a very self-conscious um, girl and so it was like tugging at her sleeves and feeling embarrassed to even sort of exist. And I thought, I can, I, I can remember feeling like that. And so it, it was more about the feelings of them, the energies of those young people. It's like, I mean, as you've just shown in the, in the reading you did at the beginning, you write, I mean, all of the women are brilliant, actually, but they, you write brilliant characters in midlife kind of, and capture those concerns. But quite often when we turn on the TV, we don't see many women in midlife. And the women we do see just tend to be the butt of the joke. Why do you think that is? I do, well, can I blame it on social media? Uh, <laughs> Normally everything can. gets blamed on social media. I don't know. Is it that... that um, like, is it that you're, you're meant to look a certain way and you're meant... We, there's such a battle, isn't there, with age um, to look a certain way, to fight the lines with Botox or fillers or whatever. I'm so grateful that I have got no desire whatsoever to have Botox. Maybe I'm scared of needles anyway. Yeah. Um, and filler, fillers and all that. And... Yes, I do dye my hair, but even that is becoming a ridiculous battle now. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm just going to let it grow through. Um, I think there's, there's so much pressure to keep looking young that in a way, if you have um, a character on screen who looks naturally her age, it, it sort of goes against the grain somehow. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know why it is. I mean, for me, I love, love to see older mm. characters portrayed really well, really sassy, witty characters on screen, and sexy as well, not just the, um, oh, she's a bit daft, isn't she? Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, mum's a bit hot and a bit cross, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Or, 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 or even if they, if they are, you know, highly sexualised and have this kind of sexual hunger and make a joke of that, and it's... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame, really. I, I don't... I, I can't see the problem in, in presenting um, women of all ages on, on screen because we don't want to look at all the same thing. We don't want to have the same bland palette, do we, on screen? I don't, anyway. No, I don't. I totally don't. And I love you for giving um, Ellen some great sex later in the book, after the terrible... Yes, Valentine's night. She had debacle. to. She had to redeem herself, and um, and and so there is quite a nice. All I'm going to say is it involves a granite island. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. <laughs> it's good to know those granite islands have a real use. <laughs> I love the way that you give um, Alice and Ellen have very very different approaches to aging, don't they? I mean, Alice is. She knocks a decade off her age. She has the works every couple of, well, a couple of times a year. Yeah, every two, every two years she has a little biannual trip to uh, 
India. And she, and she, she tells everybody she's 59. And uh, she decides that when she reaches... I think in reality she's 73. She decides that when she has a, her 73rd birthday, she ought to maybe have a 60th. <laughs> 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 yeah, I like... I, I think it's... it's um, I like the difference. I mean, that's another thing with mothers and daughters. I think sometimes, and hopefully I've achieved this in Love Untold, where there's a sort of an expectation or a, a desire for your daughter um, as a mum to fulfil what you want, you know, your ambitions for them. And, of course, they're going to be their own woman and they're going to do their own thing. And so um, Alice really didn't go with what Grace probably wanted for her, which was maybe to follow in her her, her footsteps. Um, uh, that didn't work out. She was quite a re- rebellious person. She had a lot of issues uh, that were caused through misunderstanding, and she turns to booze and uh, is a very fragile person, actually. Um, and Ellen, Alice's daughter, is the complete opposite to Alice. So she wants to make sure that she, she has a, a very, uh, has a straight life and is, um, uh, you know, she's, she's a, I suppose she is a control freak. Totally, she, yeah. she has a, if she has a gin and tonic, she measures the gin and she just has the one. You know, <laughs> she's very, very controlled in that way. And she wants her daughter, Ellen, uh, Becca, to be uh, academically superb and that's not going to happen because Becca is that's not what Becca wants that's not for her personal journey um she's musically very talented but she is not academically talented and GCSEs don't really do it for her so it's interesting I think to see that where you know the parents or certainly the mothers want something for the daughter and the daughter doesn't want it but they want something for their daughter and, and they don't want it I quite like that little chain of events and I think there's always that sense isn't there with mother-daughter relationships it's like do you want it for them or do you want it for you exactly it's an important question to ask isn't it I really think so definitely you um you and I have very similar blended family setups. I mean, you're a long-time stepmom, aren't you? Um, and I've been a stepmom for like, I don't know, 30-odd years. How is that... Do you have stepdaughters? Yes. How is that? How have you hand, evolved that relationship? Um, it's difficult to describe, really. I, I don't know if there was any set plan. Um, we just... Our relationship just became what it was and um i think it's safe to say that it's a, a, a it's, it seems to work the, the the setup um but i should say that i have recently become a step grandmother oh my gosh that's a life changer um my middle stepdaughter has uh, has a little girl who's now 16 months and i'm utterly besotted with her I, I literally could just look at videos of her all day long, yeah. and um, and I've dived straight in. I'm very hands-on with nappy changing and uh, snacks and and uh, bedtime, and and I am Nanny Ruth, um, and I love her. I absolutely love her. So she's been a real, um, she's been a, 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 a joy to the whole family. Actually, it's, it's been lovely. We've all got our own little relationship with her, you know. Was that a bit of a shift, that kind of like, oh, 
I'm a granny now. Well, it's funny, actually, because, you know, you, you sort of hear stories of people saying, like, especially I've seen it in dramas and things where they go, oh, no, I can't believe I'm going to be a grandmother. That makes me feel really old. It's not really, is it? If you think about it. I mean, people become grandparents at 40 sometimes. Mm. I mean, it's not... It, it's quite a normal thing. I think it's daft to be bothered by being a grandmother. I think it's a, a, a very impressive achievement. Um, and and my, one of my best friends, uh, she has become a grandmother almost at the same time. So our grandchildren are two months apart. And we've given each other licence to send each other as many photographs <laughs> and videos as we want. Um, because we know everybody else will get bored. But we don't, so we can just send them <laughs> ad infinitum, and uh, and it's and it's a joy, it really is, it really is. It's 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 it does open open your mind. I mean, I never thought I would feel like that, but it. I, I tell you what, it does is um, makes you realise the real true meaning of of living in the moment. Because when I'm watching her, be so delighted by the smallest little thing. And fascinated, and you know, you just think she's just living in the moment now. I want some of that. <laughs> and it reminds you that we do all have that in us somewhere. Yes, exactly. That playfulness Deep down, and that kind of yeah, yeah celebrating yeah. the oh, look at the lights. Yes, you know. yes, exactly, exactly. Um, you um, also write brilliantly in this book and also in Us Three about menopause. I mean, I think you gave poor old Catherine a hot flush on page two in Us Three. Yes. Poor woman. And Ellen has a really rough time. What has your personal menopause experience been? Um, I kind of miss the hot flushes. I used to quite like them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I think they started about four years ago. I remember I was doing a play. I was rehearsing a play and I uh, used to have to go and stand by the fire door and just... And my mum brought brought me this brilliant device which was... You put it around your neck and it had two fans that came out like that. Wow. Where did she get that? I know she got it on... She said, I got it online. I was so (laughs) pleased. It was great. Um, But they've kind of of stopped. I didn't have... um, I didn't have a great time last year. I, I just got... I just got quite low and I found and very anxious and sleep was terrible. All of those symptoms that you hear about. And uh, I just thought, oh, gosh, I can't handle this. Um, I met up with a friend of mine. Who's, she's actually a couple of years younger than me, but she, she was menopausal. And she went, why aren't you on HRT? It's a no-brainer. <laughs> Uh, and I did, and I, so I started last November, and um, oh, it was, it was inc- incredible. It was actually o- almost overnight, sort of seemed to change things. Um, and it, it is a bit of a journey of discovering what's the right level for you and all that. But uh, no, I'm really, really glad I've, I've done it. Uh, you, but then you get people that say, oh, I don't know, you hear bad things about HRT, and I don't know, it, it, there's always going to be somebody that, the naysayers uh, but for me personally I mean it isn't probably for everybody but for me it's it's been okay and actually I heard a really great thing which I've put, I stole and I put into um into a love untold which was uh where Grace says to Ellen 
about the menopause and she says, um, I think it's, you know, we've had our bodies hijacked for all these years and it's like now we can have them back again. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's, that's really, that's true actually. It's so it's I, I think sometimes you can see events in the future that are inevitable coming over the horizon at you and you can, oh, I'm never going to deal with that. I mean, I remember, I remember feeling really scared about turning 40. 40? <laughs> God, just but a babe at 40 now. Um, and I think you see these events coming at you, but when you actually get to them, pff, they're nothing. They're nothing. They really aren't. We've got to talk about uh, menopause more, I think. And I think it is becoming much more prevalent and not an embarrassing subject to talk about. And Because it, it shouldn't be. It's just... Well, 50% of the population will go through it. Exactly. So, so why are we hiding it? Yeah. And I don't want to be like, I really don't want to be that anti-male person, but I do think if men had menopause, it would be handled much differently. Oh, yeah. There'd be all the drugs, there'd be parties. Yeah, be, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally, totally. Right, I'm going to ask you the questions I always ask at the end now. What's your emotional age? Forty-two. Why? Ah. Oh. <laughs> well, because I think that's possibly where I started to feel I, I calmed down. I got over the hump of reaching forty, and it really wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. I, I, I didn't drink from the age of forty to forty-nine, and that helped a lot. Um, I think, because I think alcohol just fuels your anxiety. So I think I felt a lot calmer. I was healthier, and um, I just viewed the world in a much calmer way, I think. And perhaps, I have to say, maybe I was in a more... Uh, I was in a stable place in, in my life and with my career as well. So, yeah, 42. 42 is good. <laughs> Give us a book recommendation. I have so many. Um, well, there's a book I have been recommending on all my events because I just think it's fantastic. And it's not a book I would have ever picked up and chosen, if I'm honest, but somebody gave it to me to read. It's a, a debut novel by a writer called Sean Lusk, and it's called The Second Sight of Zachary Cloudsley. And it's set in the mid-18th century. It's about a clockmaker and his son. And his son has the ability to see in the future and the past. You know, he's like a kind of a, uh, an 18th century mind reader. It's astonishing. It's, the style of it is like a combination of uh, Charles Dickens and... Um, it would be the love child of Charles Dickens and Isabel Allende. It's got wow. magical realism in it and beautiful kind of rich Dickensian descriptions. It's fantastic. The Second Sight of Zachary Cloudsley. Totally recommend that. Um, and then if I may have a couple of others. I know go on. <laughs> I know you interviewed Elif Shafak today and she, I just think, Island, The Island of Missing Trees. Has anyone read that? It's brilliant. Why not? It's yeah. The Island of Missing Trees, set in Cyprus, 1974, just before the Civil War. 
Uh, it's a love story, in essence, between a Greek Cypriot boy and a Turkish Cypriot girl. And the narrator of the whole tale is a fig tree. And it's just stunning. It's spectacular and, and totally unexpected. Um, I would thoroughly recommend that. And quick fire, Joanna Cannon, A Tidy Ending, and Rachel Joyce's latest, um, the uh, Maureen Fry and the Angel of the North. Yeah, they would be my. I, I mean, oh, and I'm reading. I'm, I'm also reading Graham Norton's book at the moment, which is oh, keeps you on the edge all the time, going, well, I don't know. Well, what is it? What is it? What is it? I won't explain any more. But it's that's that really keeps you hooked. Graham Norton's latest, Forever Home. That's called. That lot should keep you going till Christmas. Yes. <laughs> what one piece of advice would you give younger women? Don't take any shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and certainly, yes, do not be forced into doing things with boys or girls that you don't feel comfortable with. Just don't do it. You don't need to. You've got plenty of time. You've got plenty of time. Um, don't feel obliged. Never feel obliged. Good. Very good advice. What's your superpower? My superpower... Nessa Shanessa Jenkins. <laughs> uh, yeah. Who is your old bird role model? Well, um, I read this really good novel um, by Andrew Clark. Well, it's a kind of historical novel, sort of based on historical fact, called Valhalla. And it was about... Uh, Mary of Tech, Queen Mary, who married George V. And it's a really interesting story about how she got there. She was great. I really, really like le- learning about her. She was a, a really... For, her, for the time in which she lived, I thought she was quite forward-thinking. Um, but it's got to be my mum, really, ultimately. It's got to be my mum. She's, you know, she's taught me so much about being compassionate to people, seeing the other side of the story putting yourself in other people's shoes uh but also she taught me how to parallel park and um, (laughs) and how to use the shop windows as a reflector when you are parking to see how far you've got from your back bumper to the car behind you so uh she's pretty cool my mum your mum is endlessly useful she is she's she's been knitting nativity sets recently so i've i've commissioned three to give to my stepkids because they're they're so brilliant of course, she uses up wool. She wouldn't buy any wool. She just finds bits of wool in the house. And yeah, of course, recycling. Yes. Yeah. Unpicking jumpers, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, and lastly, how many fucks do you give? How many fucks do I give? <laughs> I would say it's somewhere between 3,042 and 3,045. Somewhere there. Is that less than it used to be? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think my... My giving a fuck rate has gone... Would that have made it go up? I don't know. Well, I would have thought it might how have gone down. How many fucks do I give? But maybe is that, I suppose what you're saying, though, is, is how many fucks do I give? Oh, well, actually, I've got a better answer for that. OK, go on then. How, how many fucks do I give? I give none. <laughs> I give none. Because, actually, to get to the age of 56 and to keep giving a fuck, then 
it's a waste of time. I haven't got that, that many years left. I'm not going to waste yeah. the time I've got left giving a fuck. So. <laughs> Thank you, Ruth. That is all we've got time for, unfortunately. Ruth will be signing in the lobby. Um, she'll be signing any book you can get your hands on, probably. It doesn't have to be one of hers. It could be Thomas Hardy, it could be Dickens. Yeah. You know. Thank you all for being here and thank you, Ruth, for coming on the shift. Thank you. You've been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can hear a new episode of The Shift each Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please do rate, review and follow because it really does help other people find us. And if you'd like to support The Shift further, please consider becoming a member of our community. Find out more at steady.media forward slash the shift. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.